When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, checkout's not until four, so. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's plenty to celebrate in March and Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. America's two great pastimes collide on this podcast. It is baseball and making money from the dog days of summer through the October Classic. Greg Bases Peterson's going to be free swinging at the betting board as he tries to hit a grand slam for your bankroll. Now here is GP. A special hello. Welcome to lovely Las Vegas for MLB Overtime Betting with myself, Greg Peterson. Got a great two-part series coming up for you both today and we're going to be having part two tomorrow as we had two great guests on this fine podcast. David Behrman is going to be coming up tomorrow. You may remember him because he is a guy that has joined the Vegas Stats and Information Network frequently as a guest. Does a terrific job with ESPN Chalk. I believe that he is the deputy editor over there. So we're going to be talking to him just with regards to a betting standpoint. What's going to happen if we do have this realignment? How are we going to bet it? And what happens if we wind up having a condensed season? What's going to be happening with so many of you guys that I know have season wins? Maybe you have a prime bread on guys to win the Cy Young, MVP, everything like that. So we're going to be talking to him about those logistics tomorrow. And today we're going to be talking about the logistics just with regards to baseball in general with RJ Anderson. He does great work with NBC Sports' MLB coverage. And the reason why we're bringing on RJ is because he's done a great job of being able to cover what is happening with regards to the global sport of baseball.
baseball because while the MLB is shut down, we actually saw in Taiwan some games were being played. Right now he is tracking the fact that the Japanese league has been delayed with regards to their start due to the coronavirus as there are so many things that are going on with that regard. So we're going to be taking a look at the logistics of that. What's going to happen if one of these proposals with either the Arizona plan or the spring training plan in which you have both the Grapefruit League and the Cactus League and you've got total realignment happening. What's going to be happening if someone tests positive in one of those leagues, some of the logistics behind it, whether or not we would have to have just a little bit of moving and shaking. With that regards, we're going to be talking to RJ about that today and I do think that it is so important to bring this all up because as I've been saying on this podcast, these are unprecedented times. We need to get a variety of different angles, so you're going to get a bang angle tomorrow. You're going to get more of the nuts and bolts angle today and I do think that there are some takeaways that we can have from the fact that places like Taiwan, South Korea, everything like that are starting up baseball once again. It shows that it is possible. Now, obviously, places like Taiwan, South Korea, they've been handling the coronavirus a little bit differently. So we need to know some of the similarities and some of the differences. And we've been getting a lot of bad news with regards to coronavirus. No fans or butts about it, but we actually did see a little bit of promising news if the MLB is looking to reboot. This is according to Mark Ramondi on Twitter, and he feels a little bit more of like the UFC beat, and he winds up covering more combat sports in that this was according to a memo for Florida that employees at a professional sports and media production with a national audience, including athletes, entertainers, production team, executive team, media team, and all others are considered essential. Now, he was doing this with regards to more of the WWE, the UFC, because as we know, Dana White has been trying to do anything to get a UFC fight off the ground. He was trying in California. He was trying to buy a private island. I think he might try to fly Habib Nurmagomedov to, like, planet Pluto or something like that in order to get a UFC fight going, but with that said, he was posting that with that regard, but what else? else is big about that announcement is because like I said a few days ago we wound up having that proposal of having two separate leagues the Cactus League and the Grapefruit League as we know the Grapefruit League that is in the state of Florida you've already got a couple ballparks that are ready to go Tropicana Field Miami Marlins Park so that could actually be a good launching point for baseball because we've heard those two proposals the one that I threw out there a little bit earlier with regards to the spring training sites and then the Arizona plan in which you have everything in one bubble maybe the Arizona plan now becomes a Florida plane. Now, Florida doesn't have as many ballparks, but as we heard from William Barr, reporter for the MLB a few days ago, he also does a great job with MLB Pipeline, keeping up with the minor leagues and everything like that, is the fact that along with so many of these spring training parks, you also have some back parks as well, in which you've got the minor leaguers, they are practicing on those fields, and with not having fans in the sands, which is going to be the sad reality of sports in general for the next couple months, you could use those in Florida and you probably have enough fields to be able to get every team out there every single day. So perhaps the Arizona plan becomes a Florida plan, especially if we don't have fans. Now, obviously, there's still some logistical issues with that. And we are going to be talking to RJ Anderson about some of these because in that Arizona plan, they were throwing out there things like an electronic strike zone universal designated hitter. We are going to be chatting a little bit about that, but some big news coming down just a few hours before I wound up recording this podcast with regards to Florida passing that, and it does give you a 
little bit of hope that baseball can return because we are seeing it in other countries. Like I said, I know that there are a lot of people are making this political and obviously the United States is not South Korea. It's not Taiwan. It's not any of these other countries, but it is at the very least promising that it is doable. Obviously, these are happening without fans. And I know that RJ Anderson has been following this beat quite frequently. So we're going to get him on the podcast in the next segment. And we're going to have him on for two segments to talk about just what is happening with regards to the world of baseball in general, how doable this is all going to be, and just the logistics behind it. And then, like I said, tomorrow we're going to be getting a little bit more of a handicapping standpoint, especially if we wind up getting realignment with David Behrman of ESPN Chalk. So on the other side, going to be talking to RJ Anderson for two segments, looking at what is all happening with regards to baseball in some of these countries that have rebooted, taking a look at the proposals with both the Arizona plan and the spring training plan. And that's coming up next right here on MLB overtime inning with myself, Greg Peterson. Greg is phoning a friend and going out to the Azunia hotline. And we are back here in lovely Las Vegas for MLB Overtime Betting with myself, Greg Peterson. Great to have on our next guest. This is a guy that's doing some tremendous work for CBS Sports' MLB coverage. He is based in our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. He's doing a variety of different things for CBS Sports. CBS is doing a great job of being able to pass the time. They've been doing some of the best of all time teams for every single one of these franchises, everything from I love Milwaukee Brewers all the way to the New York Yankees, and RJ is doing a whole lot of that. And he's also tracking when we might be getting baseball back in our lives as well. We've seen a lot of crazy proposals, so we're going to be talking about that and so much more. And you can follow RJ on Twitter at R underscore J underscore Anderson, as it is RJ Anderson joining me. And RJ, great to have you on the podcast today. How are you? I'm doing about as well as the circumstances allow. How about yourself? (laughs) Same here, same here. It certainly has been an interesting ride. To say that it's a very interesting proposal would be generous as a few days ago came out from Bob Nightingale that it appears as though the league is looking at perhaps doing a different type of two leagues. They would be looking at the Cactus League and the Grapefruit League. I saw one division that I absolutely love as a Milwaukee Brewers fan that would include the Brewers along with the Texas Rangers, Kansas City Royals, the Seattle Mariners, and then their biggest competition, probably the San Diego Padres. Have you heard much more about this proposal? Because, honestly, I've seen this one, and then I saw the Arizona plan in which every single one of the games and all the teams are all in a little bubble in Arizona. And I think that the Cactus League and Grapefruit League idea is the best one I've seen to this point. Yeah, I mean, I haven't heard more on those proposals. I think they're going to be a lot more leaked over the coming weeks or months as Major League Baseball and the Players Association attempt to find a workable solution. And, you know, the ones you mentioned are probably the most interesting that came out, especially the Grapefruit and Cactus League split, just because, you know, it's a lot different than what we're accustomed to. And it would lead to some interesting realignments, as you mentioned, you know, that division with the Brewers and the Padres would have not a single team projected to have a winning record, according to Pocota. So we would have a real surprise team in the postseason, depending on what the postseason looks like. So at this point, there's no telling if we even get a season. But yeah, it does seem like we're going to get one that is a lot different than we're accustomed to should it happen. It should be very interesting, to say the least. And we know that for sure we're probably not going to be getting 162 games unless of double headers are played, well, pretty much every single day. And in that case, we would probably need seven ending games as well. 
But what I do know is that it really seems like the players and the owners, they are very gun-ho on trying to get as many games in as humanly possible. It's why we're seeing so many of these ideas floated out there. We're seeing the idea of the electronic strike zone with double headers. We're seeing the idea of playing seven innings instead of nine. I do think that there are some things that baseball has been looking at, has been maybe a little bit skittish to implement, and it could be things that stay for good. The electronic strike zone really comes to mind because they are trying to promote social distancing. I think the other big one is the universal designated hitter because if we wind up having the Grapefruit League and the Cactus League, you're going to have National League teams and American League teams pretty much combining as one another. Have you seen anything else that's really interesting? Because those are the two that really jumped to mind as to ideas that I thought might be coming to baseball in the next five to ten years, but it seems like the coronavirus might be speeding up the process a little bit. Yeah, I think the other one of note was they would mic up the players during games. We kind of saw that during spring training or the portion of spring training that we were afforded. You know, I think that's an interesting proposal just because it allows the players to show off some of their personality and provide some of their insight during a game. And, you know, that's kind of a different look than what we're accustomed to from a Major League Baseball game. So I think that that would be something that other sports have used to good effect. And it's probably something that baseball should look into. But otherwise, you know, the ones you mentioned are most frequently referenced. And the electronic strike zone one is kind of funny to me because if you cannot play with an umpire where he's normally stationed, then maybe you shouldn't be playing at all. But that's something that Major League Baseball has wanted to implement for a while. And it wouldn't surprise me if they use the pandemic to really get that going. And if that just remains in place after we go back to normal or whatever normalcy is going to look like in a year to two years time. Believe me, and not having Country Joe West behind the dish, it's something that I don't think will be missed by a whole heck of a lot of people as RJ Anderson is joining me right here on the podcast. And RJ mentioned it right at the top. You're based out there in the nation's capital, Washington, D.C., and we've been talking about it on this podcast, brought it up with you. We're probably not going to see 162 games. And what I think is so interesting about a shortened season is I'm trying to figure out if that favors a team maybe with a little bit more bullpen pitching like we've seen out of a team like the Milwaukee Brewers, as we recall the Brewers during the 2019 season. Really didn't have too many stout starters, but they were able to go into the bullpen. They were able to get like six inning staves out of Josh Hader, things like that, be able to make the postseason. And then obviously the Washington Nationals. Until late in the year when they were able to get Sean Doolittle and company firing at all cylinders, they were really relying upon their starters. Mad Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg, Annabelle Sanchez, that all comes to mind. And then you wound up having guys like Strasburg coming out of the bullpen. We all know Patrick Corbin was able to do in Game 7. Who do you think it favors a little bit more? A team with a little bit more starting pitching or a team with more relief pitching if we do wind up having this condensed season? Because I do think that that is just such an interesting debate at this point. Yeah, well, I think it depends on the structure of the season. Potentially when you have those seven-inning doubleheaders, I think they could actually favor either of those teams. You know, the one that has a strong rotation or the one that has a strong bullpen because think about it, you know, seven inning game, you can kind of slant it one way or the other. Either your starter is going to throw a complete game or your bullpen can come in a little earlier and doesn't have to worry about using as many bullets and you know, throwing as many innings during the middle portion of the game. So, you know, it just depends on what things look like. I think that the teams that are obviously going to benefit no matter what are the ones with a lot of depth. And to be frank, those teams are usually the best teams in baseball, no matter what the season looks like. So, as we get more specifics, you know, as we get closer to a season, if there is to be a season, I think we'll be able to provide a better answer to that. I think it's going to be so fascinating to see how these pitchers are going to be able to ramp up as well, because 
Obviously, we're going to need a second spring training when slash if we do wind up getting baseball for the 2020 season. From everything I've been seeing, a lot of people are thinking that the most ideal situation would be to be able to give the players four weeks of spring training. That might not be doable in these times just because there's still a lot of brainstorming. The idea that actually comes about with regards to baseball getting back into our lives might not even be a thought of any of these owners at this point. So we are just speculating at this point. But when slash if we do wind up getting baseball back, from what I've been hearing from a lot of people, it's pretty much down the middle because the minimum would be two weeks. Maximum would be four weeks, probably the most ideal. From what I'm hearing, I'm hearing a lot of people speculating that we'd probably get three weeks of spring training. Maybe not the most ideal situation, but sort of cutting it down the middle. Have you been hearing anything different? Well, I think a lot of it depends on whatever mechanisms baseball puts in place. You know, if they want to shorten that spring training ramp up period, whatever we end up calling it, then it would move them to expand rosters, especially in the early going. So maybe you see 30 to 35 players on the active roster at the onset of the season. With teams being allowed to carry more pitchers, you wouldn't necessarily need them stretched out as much as if it were just a 26-man roster. So I think that's one thing to consider. And you know, the other thing to consider, again, is the schedule. Are they going to be playing, you know, those doubleheaders? Are they going to be playing seven games a week? Are they going to be playing six games in seven days? You know, what does the schedule look like? Because that'll dictate a lot of what those pitchers need in order to prepare for the season. So right now it's kind of an unanswerable question. I think that the pitchers involved were probably like four weeks just because of how they prepare and how they're used to using, you know, four to six weeks to kind of work backward to opening day. And Obviously, you know, not really having a target date right now makes things more difficult and they're kind of stuck in between, you know, ramping up or staying warm. And it's just going to be a real logistical nightmare. And my concern really is that baseball doesn't get this right. And we go out there and we play through November and then all of a sudden, you know, they don't delay the start of next season. And you have a lot of arm injuries popping up because pitchers were overworked and didn't receive ample downtime. So that's my concern. I really hope that they, you know, figure out the logistics of this and do right by the pitchers and they'll just rush back into it. Because if they do, I have a feeling we're going to be spending a lot of time talking about, you know, big name pitchers going to the injured licks next season. Yeah, that certainly would not be good as we actually saw some ace pitchers struggle a little bit towards the beginning of the 2019 season. And then your guys like Jacob DeGrom and company, they were firing and also under towards the end of the year as we do have RJ Anderson of CBS Sports' MLB coverage joining me right here on MLB Overtime Betting. And RJ, what I think is actually very encouraging for the MLB is that we've actually seen baseball come back on the face of planet Earth as we're seeing some of the Chinese and South Korean leagues come back as they have been able to take some social distancing measures. They're playing in front of no fans at this point. So I do think that that's very intriguing. What do you think that perhaps Major League Baseball could take out of these other leagues that are coming back and perhaps implement themselves? Because obviously, let's face it, things out there in the middle of Asia, it's a little bit different than the U.S. No ifs, ands, or buts about it, but... With that said, at the very least, we do have a little bit of a blueprint now for trying to get baseball back into our lives. Yeah, well, you know, the CPBL actually had its opening day over the weekend. And, you know, it's based in Taiwan, just to be clear, for those who are not familiar with that league. And KBO, which is based in South Korea, is hoping to open up in early May. And they've been playing intra-squad games. Like you said, you know, it's all closed facilities. You're not going to see any fans in the seats. You are going to see in the CPBL robot fans in the seats, which is an interesting twist. but in terms of what Major League Baseball can take from it, well, I guess that it's doable. You know, if you really do a good job of managing everyone involved, if you do a good job of getting testing, and, you know, frankly, that's a problem beyond Major League Baseball. It's a problem countrywide, right? So it's going to be a little more difficult to implement that. But 
if you can get reliable testing that's accessible and you know easy to get results from accurate results from in a quick time then yeah you can potentially play baseball now the problem is you know the cpbl and the kbo they're dealing with a lot fewer individuals you know their team totals are not up there in the 30s and you know they're not going to have as many executives and scouts and whatever else traveling along with them so logistically it's a little bit more difficult for MLB, but I would say, you know, MLB should have more resources than those leagues in terms of finances and connections. And, you know, if those leagues can figure out, you know, the, the blueprint for it, then maybe MLB can take that, perhaps even improve upon it and you know, implement it for its own purposes. But there are a lot of differences here that go beyond the leagues themselves. And that's not something you should sniff at. I mean, take, for instance, the Arizona plan. When I looked into it last week, I ran the numbers and you know, Arizona as a state had tested about 33,000 individuals. Major League Baseball, if they wanted to test every single player on the 26-man roster every single day, they would need 20,000 plus tests per month. So that kind of gives you a frame of reference of where testing is right now and where it needs to be in order for baseball to do this and do this correctly. I am right there with you and the fact that just the logistics in general are not necessarily the best in the world as we do have RJ Anderson joining me right here on the podcast. And on the other side, as strange as it sounds, we do have to get into a little bit of an interesting situation. What winds up happening if you wind up having a player that tests positive for the coronavirus? What happens with that? Just talk a little bit more about the logistical issues. And then we're going to get into some actual baseball, thank goodness gracious, as well. And that's coming up on the other side right here on MLB Overtime Betting with myself, Greg Peterson. Welcome back to MLB Overtime. Greg is throwing a gem, so yeah, he better not blow it. Back here on MLB Overtime Betting with myself, Greg Peterson, being joined by RJ Anderson, who does terrific work for CBS Sports' MLB coverage. You can follow him on Twitter at R underscore J underscore Anderson. And we were leaving off by talking about some of the logistics behind baseball in general, how some of these places like Taiwan, South Korea, what have you, have been able to get baseball back up off the ground. And one thing that we do need to note is the fact that it's a very real possibility that one of these players during the season, just before the season, something like that, test positive for the coronavirus. So what in the world happens if you wind up getting that doomsday scenario? If you wind up having the grapefruit and the cactus league, do you wind up having to shut down the cactus league if someone test positive in the Cactus League or what have you, or do you wind up just trying to send out their minor league team? That's right now my one big question. I just feel like nobody at this point has really come up with a good answer with what would happen in that case. Yeah, I mean, I guess it would depend on a lot of factors. Again, if you have the accessible, accurate testing, then maybe you can continue to play. But I would note that over in Japan, the MPB had to push back its season after one of its top pitchers and a couple of teammates tested positive. So at the end of the day, although we all want baseball back, it's about health, not only of the players, but of everyone involved. And you don't want to potentially risk that just to get a season in because ultimately, you know, the motivation for getting a season in, I mean, yes, it's about wanting to bring baseball back, wanting to get back to some sense of normalcy, but it's also about revenue. They don't want to sacrifice the television revenue and all that comes with that. So you know, let's be mindful of the stakes here. Let's be mindful of what the real priorities should be. And hopefully if we all do a good job and you know, we get lucky, we're going to have some baseball 
later in the year, but you know that shouldn't necessarily be the priority here. And RJ, something else that we need to take a look at is the actual teams in general, because I did feel like it was actually a very interesting offseason that we had a lot of big-time signings, some of which went under the radar. Hunjin Ryu winds up going north of the border. Anthony Rendon, as you know, being based out there in Washington, D.C., he goes from D.C. and he's going to be heading to the West Coast, but going to be playing for the L.A. Angels. You have Garrett Cole signing with the New York Yankees. list goes on and on, but a team that I've been hearing from a lot of guests on this podcast that people are just raving about is the Cincinnati Reds. I do think that Nick Cassianos is going to be able to make a good imprint with this team. You've got Mike Busakis, a guy that played in the division the last couple of years. He signs with the Cincinnati Reds. What do you ultimately think of this team? Because I think it's so fascinating that they have all these signings. Obviously, they came up short during the 2019 season. But having so much young pitching in Luis Casio company, a bullpen that performed very well at the beginning of the year, they could be a force no matter if you wind up having the normal divisions or you wind up having this random situation which you've got the Grapefruit and Cactus League. Yeah, they have an interesting team. And if you look at some of the projection systems out there, they actually – we're favored to win the National League Central. It's going to be interesting to see, you know, what exactly they look like if we do have a season. And, you know, one name that you neglected to mention there was Shogi Akiyama. He came over from overseas and he's projected to be their everyday center fielder. And so he's never interesting one to watch. But yeah, I mean, last season, you know, they made strides as a pitching staff thanks to hiring Derek Johnson and some of the organizational changes they made and have continued to make behind the scenes and they have the potential to have a much improved lineup and if they do that yeah it looks like they have a chance to be competitive within whatever division they're in now the problem for them is if mlb does do that florida arizona plan with the grapefruit and the cactus league then they're stuck in a division with a bunch of other good teams you know the los angeles dodgers are probably the best team in baseball and then you also have cleveland and you have the chicago white Sox and los angeles angels both of whom have made strides over the winter as well so if you're a reds fan it'll be a little disappointing if you get stuck in that division because you know it's conceivable you finish last place despite having a playoff caliber roster yeah i think that that is going to be so interesting as we do have rj anderson joining me right here on the podcast and just taking a look at some of those divisions in general. I do think that one thing that logistically is something that would need to be looked at if they do wind up rolling with the Grapefruit and Cactus League is perhaps balancing out some of these divisions because I'm just taking a look at the Grapefruit League South. You've got the Boston Red Sox, Minnesota Twins, Atlanta Braves, Tampa Bay Rays. You've got three teams that wound up making the postseason last year. The Boston Red Sox, who had won the 2018 World Series, and then our good friends, the Baltimore Orioles. I mean, this is a situation which the Orioles might set a record for worst win percentage in the history of baseball if that winds up happening. I mean, the poor Orioles, they weren't going to do well to start out with. Now you just put them even further behind the eight ball. And then, as you know, the Nationals, Astros, Mets, Cardinals, and then Miami Marlins, that's once again going to be a division in which we see a fish fry. And then more importantly than that, in regards to the balance, is that you've got 15 teams and 15 teams. I think that in order to be able to pull this off, you'd probably want to go 14 and 16, much like the National League and American League were before you saw the Houston Astros wind up moving to the American League several years ago from the National League. Just because if you have 15 and 15, you had to do interleague baseball all throughout the year. And I feel like you might be in a little bit of a, in a little bit of a similar situation with this, just because it would be very hard to have like, a Grapefruit League team travel to the Cactus League or vice versa in order to play a game. It's something that I don't think baseball would want any part of with regards to setting up these two divisions. Yeah, I can't imagine they want travel between the two states. I think that kind of defeats the purpose of what they're doing. And 
you know, you raise a fair point about wanting it to be 16 and 14 instead of 15 and 15, because otherwise you really have a scheduling headache on your hands where you'd have to really get creative with the off days in order to ensure that all 15 teams are playing an equal amount of games. So it'll be interesting to see if they make any tweaks to that. You know, it's probably an argument for the Arizona plan where everyone is just centrally located out there and then you don't have to worry about that aspect of it. And also, you know, once you get to the playoffs and potentially the World Series, you don't have to worry about, you know, intermixing the Florida and Arizona camps just on the off chance that someone has it or, you know, what have you at that point. So, yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Again, you know, these are all proposals that are being leaked. They're probably a small portion of the amount of proposals that are happening behind closed doors. And I wouldn't necessarily count on any of them happening, but I also would think that there are going to be elements from them that could potentially wind up in the finished product if that comes to fruition at all. I'm right there with you. And it's one of these situations in which I do think that the best plan that we're going to get for baseball to come back in 2020, if baseball does wind up coming back this year, is probably one that has not been thrown out there right now. Because as I've been talking about on this podcast, the players, the owners, they're doing their level best to try to find an idea. These are just unprecedented times. They've had to put their heads together for only a couple weeks at this point, ever since it was announced that the season would be delayed a few hours after the Rudy Gobert test. There is still a little bit of brainstorming going on, but what do you think would probably be best at this point? Because I do like the idea of the Grapefruit League and the Cactus League. You certainly do need to cut down on the travel, but obviously it might be a little bit of a logistical nightmare. One thing that has really been coming to mind with myself is maybe making it just one full region because one thing that is coming about is that during the summer months of Arizona and Florida, it obviously gets hot. It gets above 100 degrees. It's a total nightmare. I've been in Florida during the summertime. That's not good. I live out here in Las Vegas. I know how warm it can be during June and July during like noon. So that means that you have to play either really, really early or even really, really late. But even then, it's still really warm. And I think that the MLB might benefit if they make it a little bit more regional just because then you'd be able to maybe implement that Arizona plan, but you still maybe have at your disposal something like the California parks and things like that. So you still have a little bit of travel, but at the same time, it's not as much of a headache and you don't need to try to get everyone into one bubble. That's sort of been my proposal. I don't know if you've been thinking of anything different, but with that said, certainly some strange times and I don't know if we're ever going to find the one true solution to this just because it is something that is probably going to be used for only one year and it's just one of these cases in which it came about so fast that it's hard to plan for this. Yeah, I don't really have any alternative proposals. I think that anything you come up with is going to have logistical issues and I think you're going to be able to poke holes in anything. So it's just a matter of trying to limit the risk and also you know, do something that's going to produce a respectable season. I mean, you know, you don't want to get into a situation where you're really compromising the integrity of the sport because then, you know, you're probably better off just not playing a season at all and hoping that conditions improve enough that you can start up next year on time and, you know, treat it like a normal year. And, you know, whether that's going to be the case or not is certainly an open question at this point. So I wish I had a foolproof solution here that was, you know, unsinkable or what have you, but I don't, I haven't really spent a lot of time thinking about it because that's above my pay grade, frankly. And I know that I wouldn't be able to come up with a much better answer anyway. So not something that I've really spent much time on at all. Yeah, I don't blame you there. This is just one of these cases in which people that make a whole heck of a lot more money than you and I, they haven't come up with a great solution either. So that makes me feel a little bit better. But RJ, one thing that I know that you're doing a great job is keeping up with all this for CBS Sports. would like to close it up with this 
Let the good people at home know what you're all doing for CBS Sports. I mentioned it a little bit earlier. You guys over there at CBS Sports, you're coming up with some of the best rosters of all time for every franchise. Teams like the Detroit Tigers, who right now are not great, but had a lot of great players back in the day, every single one of these franchises. And I know that you're keeping up with all these crazy plans, and you took a look at what baseball might look like if we do wind up getting the Grapefruit and Cactus League as well. Yeah, so Matt Snyder has been running through every team's all-time lineups, as you mentioned, and that's been a fun series. And then we've been using Outside the Park Baseball 21 to run a lot of different simulations. And, you know, on top of that, yes, we really keep up with the news, and we've been doing some interesting things statistically with, you know, some of these proposed plans, just trying to use, you know, basic forecasting skills to take a look at how things change. And on top of that, you know, we've been reporting news. I mean, we were the first to break the news about scouts being able to, to talk to draftees, their families, and advisors again. We also provided some insight into what the draft boss is going to look like video-wise, and we're going to have more reporting coming, as well as some you know, more off-the-beaten-path humor pieces and whatnot. We try to cover everything. We try to give everyone something to indulge in right now, something to kind of take them away from the happenings outside of their workplace, outside of their home, and outside of, you know, their computer so you know hopefully people can get lost in that and we can serve as a distraction but you know check it out and you know hopefully you'll find something you like no no we need a little bit of normalcy in this time because obviously the only sports leagues that we have going on is russian table tennis which is translation for russian ping pong and also nicaraguan and belarus soccer though like we mentioned a little bit of baseball is coming back in some of the countries as well. So at the very least, we've got a little bit of something. But with that said, certainly some strange times. And RJ's doing a great job of reporting on it all for CBS Sports. So a big thanks to RJ Anderson for joining me right here on MLB Overtime Betting. And if you like what you're hearing from this five podcast, you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. And if you have any question for the podcast, fire it into my timeline at Junior's 41 plan on coming at you guys three times a week until we get baseball back to our lives and then once we do get games every single day i'll be coming at you guys every single day so thank you so much for tuning in